You are listening to a very special edition of Chapo Trap House Erotic Readings. Erotic Readings from the Rudy Giuliani Lawsuit. In today's erotic audio content, the part of Rudy Giuliani will be played by Will Meneker, and the part of Noel Dumphy will be played by Catherine Krieger. <laughs> Come here, big tits. Come here, big tits. Your tits belong to me. Give them to me. I want to claim my tits. I want to claim my tits. I want to claim my tits. These are my tits. Oh, yeah. These breasts belong to me. Nobody else can get near these, okay? I don't care if they're flirting with or they give you business cards. These are mine. You got it? Yes. Understand? I'm very fucking possessive. I've gone easy on you. I don't know. I've been easy on you. You're pretty tough on me. I've been easy on you. Give them to me. Uh, maybe end scene. <sighs> I want to claim my tits. Bring them That's to me. That's easily the worst thing you guys have ever done. Give me the tits, Lord. <laughs> Let me get away. Give me the tits. Wendy. Give me the tits. Wendy, give me the tits. Give me the, give me the tits, Wendy. Give me the tits. <laughs> give me the tits, Wendy. Give me the tits. Show me the titties. Oh. Um. We're all having fun with the uh, the Rudy Giuliani lawsuit, but um, this is just evidence that he has full blown dementia, right? Like, I mean, is he normally this aggressive and horny, or is this just no? Alzheimer's? And this is this is a genuine side effect of dementia is, is uh, getting horny, getting horny in weird ways, is getting infantile and uh, just compulsively pubescently horny. Uh, apparently, Morgan Freeman just. Around just around women, just just like constantly talking about sex and making people feel uncomfortable. It's it happens when you start slipping. Isn't that you what happened tits. with George H. W. Bush? He was like, yes. you know, he like groped someone in a wheelchair. David Copperfield. That's right. That's right. I first remember when I first remember when Andy Dufresne and his tits came to Shawshank Prison. <laughs> uh, Sumner Redstone also. They said that about uh, Sumner Redstone also. That, yeah, like he's oh, was yeah. wheeling he was... around in his chair, like chasing people, like uh, like a Benny <laughs> Hill, pinching asses. Yeah. <laughs> well, he was hot till the day he went, though. So that's true. He oh, was yeah. a fucking oh, man. Like Cary Grant, bring me the tits. Bring them to me. Bring me the tits. Um, I should say this is Chapo Trap House. Thursday, August third. We continue with our cavalcade of great guest Cal- spots. Cavalcade. Cavalcade. Comedy cavalcade. Cavalcade. It's a cavalcade of past Chapo repeat guests. Joining us today is the newly liberated Catherine Krieger. Welcome back to the show, Catherine. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for bringing those gorgeous tits. My gorgeous tits. All right. Okay. All right. I'm filing a lawsuit. Sorry. Sorry, I'm in Rudy mode right now. I've just been reading too many good Rudy clips. Like, for instance, the way natural selection works. Jewish men have small cocks because they can't use them after they get married, whereas Italian men use use them all their lives so they get bigger. Facts. I know if Felix. Only we had Felix. He, <laughs> yeah, Felix. Felix skipped this episode because he he knew the facts were too strong. The facts were yeah. against him, and and he could not bring <laughs> his logic to bear. He didn't want to have to defend an untenable position. So he simply bowed out from recording today, rather than face the irrefutable truth that your dick gets bigger the more you use it. It's a fact. <laughs> You'd think that I mean, it would it, get like wound down, like you know, yeah, like friction a, would like just wear it like a like a mighty mountain. 
<laughs> I would be curious, like, where does masturbation fall in, you know, that kind of that that uh, that's a know, good point. Sense, sense of logic, because, you know, otherwise, like all guys would have big dicks, right? Like, you know, you'd think, yeah. And like the most compulsive perverts among us would have the most massive dicks. I'm well, just asking questions here. <laughs> Your Honor, I'll rest my case. <laughs> Look, th- this is just f- this is classic folk science, which is making a comeback at all levels of society oh, yeah. in this new dark age. Like the way Trump believes that your energy is finite in life, and the more you exert it, the more you use up. Yeah, that's why he doesn't exercise. And that sharks can come onto land and attack us. Yeah, um, I'm honestly I, I surprised say- he never really like signed any legislation to try to kill all the sharks once again another thing left undone just like turn this into japan the environmental policies will indirectly lead to the death of all the sharks but like i'm surprised he didn't put seal team six on it or something seal team six literal seals Ooh, nice with guns <laughs> nice. on their heads finally revenge to go and yes go, kill those fucking sharks oh man the way the way they've been getting tore up on shark week just getting plucked just getting mm. bombed by those great whites um, I got to say, though, um, bring me the tits. Bring me the tits. I must have the tits. That wasn't nearly that wasn't close to being my favorite of the recorded Rudy Giuliani conversations. That goes to this. Jews, they want to get the, <laughs> they want to go through. The, they want to go through that freaking Passover all the time. Man, oh, man. Get over the Passover. It was like 3000 years ago, Giuliani said, according to an April 1st, 2019 transcript. Okay, the Red Sea parted. Big deal. Not the first time that happened. <laughs> what? <laughs> it happens so much all the time, th- folks. It's happening all the time. So much to unpack here. Does he think the Red Sea is like his secretary? Like, I parted her last week. Oh, hey. I mean, um, I think he's right. I think, uh, you know, in, in the Atlantean days, that probably yeah. got parted by some other group of people who've been lost to time. Leaving aside whether the Red Sea has parted before or ever or whatever, uh, the other amazing thing about this quote is that, okay, he's saying that the Jews get over Passover and it was 3,000 <laughs> years ago. Well, as a Catholic, Christ being crucified and resurrected, that was 2,000 years ago. So, I mean, like, it's not exactly, uh, you know, a, a recency bias here. Um, that was pretty fucking old as well. I also think Catholics should get over that. That's old shit. Yeah. Something new. Yeah, Jesus said no one, no one has come back to life ever since that. That was 2,000 fucking years ago. So yeah. you oh, need some you more modern Messiah? miracles. Yeah, You have one Messiah who died on the cross? Well, name a second one. Um, it doesn't end there, though, because he also had some choice words for Hollywood actor Matt Damon, who he calls a fag. That's a direct quote. <laughs> this is, yeah, this is a direct quote. It says here, in the relevant transcript, Dunphy, 43, can be heard asking the former Donald Trump lawyer which Hollywood A-listers are Republicans. Ain't too many. Brad, not Brad Pitt. The other guy that looks like him responds Giuliani. <laughs> Who is this Brad? Who is this Brad? Bradley Cooper, maybe? I mean, it doesn't well, really no, look like I, Brad I Pitt, thought though. someone asked. I thought in the transcript, so then like the woman asked, like, is it Bradley yeah. Cooper? And she says, like, no. Um, not him either. Uh, Dunphy asks her then boss if he means Bradley Cooper, to which Giuliani says no before adding, Matt Damon is very liberal. I mean, no one asks him about Matt Damon. And then he just goes, uh, Matt, Damon is, uh, Matt Damon is a fag. Matt Damon is also five foot two. Eyes are blue. Coochie, coochie, coo. Now, if this isn't a sign of dementia, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, have to, I have to credit comedian, uh, the actor James Urbaniak for discovering the fact that Coochie Clue, Eyes Blue, Five Foot Two is a song from 1921. 
that is now yeah. into the public domain. The lights are, <laughs> the lights are being turned off one by one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's Jimmy Durante under the light post. Good night, Mrs. Calabash, wherever you are. Was that your high school graduation song, Matt? Yeah, it ripped. <laughs> Eyes blue. Roasted. Roasted. It was a new metal arrangement of that. <laughs> yeah, he's, you know, like he's just like a schizophrenic person. You know how they it's called clanging when they just kind of like associate words and just like kind of talk like that's that's what stage of dementia he's at. I also didn't know Dunphy was 43. That's kind of interesting to me. I, I pictured her being like, you know, some 25 year old or something. I mean, she does have cans, though. I looked it up and, you know, <laughs> that's, he wasn't he wasn't being demented about the, the cans. They're significant. Folks, Chapo, Chapo has to have a woman on to, to launder misogynist opinions like that's this. Correct. You know, that's not an opinion. Novel. Not an opinion. Fact. Yeah, that's just fact. a fact. Folks, she's got cans. Yeah. In one department, Rudy's still got his head on a swivel. <laughs> well, uh, in another department where his head on the swivel was the um, hours long meeting with uh, the people currently prosecuting Donald Trump. I mean, this 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 is the big story. This is this is basically like uh, democracy itself on trial. The latest Donald Trump indictment. He is uh, turning himself in today in Washington, D.C., and I believe he will be fingerprinted and photographed on this time around. But. I guess my my initial thoughts on this uh, latest Trump indictment about his attempts to uh, you know defraud the American electoral system is that if you look at the unindicted co-conspirators who are unnamed in this indictment, but virtually every news organization on the planet has already sussed out who these six people are. One of them, including Rudy Giuliani. It's interesting because in this in this Jackson, like they are not they're not being charged yet but they are listed as co-conspirators, which is odd in a case like this, because usually you put all the pressure on like the lower conspirators to get the, the big boy, Donald Trump. But so far, none of them have been indicted. They still could be, and I've read speculation that this is about basically supercharging this, like speeding up this case so that it gets done before 20, the 2024 election. But I got to say, though, if you look down the list of these unnamed people, including Rudy Giuliani, it also includes row. John Eastman, Sidney Powell, a guy named Kenneth Cheesebro, and like one or two other lawyers. <laughs> and Wait, I got to say here. Who's the Cheesebro? Kenneth Cheesebro. Oh, it's Kenneth it's, Cheesebro. It's, 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 it's oh. Yeah, you know, the Cheesebro. <laughs> oh, of the, oh, the East Town Cheesebros? Yeah. I just got to say, I, I think it is funny that like his, his attempt to um, upend the peaceful transfer of power relied on his, his co-conspirators and flunkies are six of the biggest, how shall I put this, the most highly regarded people in American law and jurisprudence <laughs> imaginable. Like, <laughs> Rudy Giuliani, a guy that we've just got done um, proving that he has, he's, he's moved into the erotic stage of dementia where he's just full on horny all the time. I'm sure he is, a co I'm sure he is cooperating with prosecutors, but like John Eastman and Sidney Powell, like, I know Felix loves to talk about like comparing like the Bush dynasty to Donald Trump, but like they're the killers that they had on their team, like James Baker was the guy they got to steal an election. And Donald Trump was relying on a a murderer's row of the highly regarded. Well, that's what happens when you don't pay anyone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like exactly. if you're just gonna be getting like fucking MMA memorabilia, <laughs> you're not gonna get the best and brightest. You're gonna get people who just want exposure. You're getting paid in uh, uh, Trump stakes with freezer burn experience. They're interns, basically. They're legal interns. Well, 
I mean, like uh, uh, this is this is like this is the latest indictment. It seems like uh, like bad news for Donald Trump, but I, I do like that. Um, we've talked about this before, but like with each new indictment, like you know the one that has him on on tape talking about classified documents, and this one, I mean, it, he's really done in by the fact like the guys who were in the room with him, like Mike Pence, who were just like literally saw the writing on the wall and they were like, oh, I am going to be the motherfucker who takes notes on a criminal conspiracy. Because like, <laughs> they were having it in writing when this shit went down. Like, uh, fucking, what's his name? Uh, uh, Bill Barr, too. And, like, the defenses of Donald Trump in this indictment uh, seems to be like, they seem to be heavily promoting this idea that this is all about the First Amendment, which is pure cope. Like, the <laughs> this is just... They wouldn't be saying that he lied about these things if they didn't have him dead to rights telling people people in the room deciding this conspiracy that he had no faith whatsoever in the belief that he, he was just saying like he was taking actions to decertify legitimate election results, knowing full well, it doesn't matter what he believed. It was the actions that he took to, uh, you know, count illegitimate votes or not count legitimate ones. Well, the thing is, is that like there is a case, obviously there's always going to be a case to be made. That's what yeah. they pay the, these people to do. Uh, and in this case, there is a legal theory, you know, built around his presumption of uh, the presumption of his earnestness in pursuing this. Oh, he really thought this was getting stolen. But there is a, there is a smoking gun inside this smoking gun. And this is the testimony from Pence that while he was trying to get him to certify the uh, alternate elector slate, he said, you're too honest. That's <laughs> what, what does that mean? You're too honest to help me commit this crime that I'm doing yes, now. Yes, you're not saying you're betraying the Constitution, uh, uh, Mike. We have real uh, uh, crimes here that need to be stopped. No, he's going, you're, why aren't you doing crimes with me, you bitch? The free speech defense is also really funny because I, I think they're so stupid that they just think, like, anytime you're speaking, like, you can use a free speech defense. <laughs> yeah. So, like, if you, if you, like, yeah, if you, like, do an armed robbery and, like, say something to the teller or something, like, you know, that could be a free speech defense, you know? like Yeah, me, me demanding the money from the cash register is protected speech. Like, the gun in my hand is incidental to that. I'm, I'm exercising my free freedom of speech by saying, give me your wallet. Even though, like, you know, free speech or, you know, first amendment doctrine is very clear about like things that are fraud or criminal are not protected speech so like yeah it's it's an interesting theory that's for sure uh catherine i think you're exactly right that i i, I think freedom of speech and free speech has just become downgraded in people's minds to believe that if you are speaking <laughs> you are by definition not committing a crime yeah exactly exactly but that but the thing is that it's a very specific legal theory where it's well when i am speaking yeah, okay, there we go. It's not when anyone is speaking. That that is not how what they think. It is when I specifically or someone that I deputize on my behalf to speak speaks. But I do think laymen's also have now like extrapolated that to themselves. Yeah, you they know, think like, they're it part is, of the group. It is real. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They think they're on the winning um, team. Which, you know, like I, I guess we'll see that tested, right? Like Trump like someone reading Trump's tweets, like are they being deputized by the president like to do January sixth? I don't know. He will find lawyers who will argue that. Well, I mean, they certainly believe they were. <laughs> yeah. And I guess like the, the other legal defense or like not really defense, but just thing, thing, thing that you have to say because like someone's going to put a microphone in front of your face. And if you're inclined to defend Donald Trump in this regard, the other thing that I hear them saying is that like there's no way he could get a fair trial in Washington, D.C. 
because like the, the jury pool is so tasted against them. And it's like, well, uh, don't try, don't do crimes in Washington D.C. Then, sorry. Also, where where would he get a fair trial? I don't know. Do you want to move like Florida move the venue he, to he, Wyoming? He said, no, he, well, yeah, no, Florida. No, no, no. He said he proposed West Virginia, politically neutral West, West Virginia. That's what he said. Or politically so unbiased funny. West Virginia is what he said. Where, where he won the election by sixty points. Yeah, but Will and I know from personal from personal experience that like all you need is the sh- like the sheerest like shred of evidence that like the the, cr- the alleged crime is like tangentially related to the state, you know, like um, like us getting sued, like Univision well, headquartered in Florida, or like you know, you know fun- Will having Twitter followers in Florida, me being you know? sued in the state of Florida. Yeah, well, it's funny right. because our our old friend Jason Miller does you know was he w- he was one of the last guys in the bunker. With Donald Trump, and he shows up in this story and as being too like, cowardly to chop down on the uh, <laughs> yeah. cyanide. He's he's going to get me uh, captured, and I hope he is. Yeah, he was eating M and M's, not cyanide pills. <laughs> he was he was giving everyone else the cyanide pill, and he was going. That's right, this, folks. He's he was he's, <laughs> he's saving all the red skittles for himself. Um, no, because like he was one of the last guys in the bunker, and it was him and like the chief White House counsel that were saying to Trump, "There is no reality." in which on January 20th of this year, you were declared president. Like, th- th- it's not happening. But because it's Jason Miller, he was, of course, going on CNN every day and saying the exact opposite. And, like, this is all now uh, a, ma- a matter of public record. But, yeah, uh, trial of the century. Democracy itself on trial. He's facing three different criminal cases. And you know what? And a number well, of civil lawsuits. So a lot of people are going with the line, this is a democratic plot to stop him from winning re-election. And, you know... I honestly think that individually, a lot of these prosecutors who are Democrats are absolutely motivated to keep this guy from being president because they earnestly think that he did crimes and shouldn't be president, you know, but they can't be coordinating because if they were, they would not have led, would not have breached the seal on ever indicting (laughs) a president with some rinky dink fucking campaign bullshit about the Stormy Daniels case, which everyone thinks was basically funny. It's like that. That's because Alan Bragg, the DA of fucking Manhattan, wanted to get his dick out there, wanted to promote himself. So it's like there's no conspiracy at any level. There's everybody who has any cold on power trying to promote their own ass. And that means they end up like conspiring broadly, but without even having to uh, conspire. But when they do it, they do it like this, where you've got some fucking preening dipshit in uh, Manhattan who wants uh, headlines and makes the very first indictment basically nothing. So every new one that comes comes in that context created by that, which would never have happened if this was some sort of actually coordinated plan to defeat neutralize Trump. More likely is the argument that this is all an attempt to make him the nominee because Democrats are convinced he's the only way that they get him running again is the only way that they can win again. Well, I mean, it worked the first time. And you know what? They're probably right about that. I saw a poll today that said if the election were held today, and at least in the state of Virginia, between Joe Biden and Glenn Blumkin, Glenn Blumkin would win by 12 points. And I understand that's his home state. But like, OK, his like name is well, Blumkin. Well, we call him Glenn, Glenn Blumkin on this. <laughs> oh, you have, I would believe it. <laughs> his name is Glenn Youngkin. But to me, he will always be. Glenn. He's Youngkin. always Blumkin. Blum- Blumkins are yeah. not just for dinner anymore. Hmm. <laughs> um. No, but like, uh, uh, Matt, you, you got all the Ukrainian flag avies in a tizzy the other day because you, 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 the, the point that we've made before on this show is that if you truly believe that Cornell West or Robert F. Kennedy Jr. or Donald Trump himself are this like existential threat to democracy, 
you would be more afraid and angry about a guy with a sub 40 approval rating and obvious senility being the only thing that can stop him. Right. And like, this is a weird thing we're in right now where it's like, like, how do you like if we assume it's going to be Biden versus Trump? Like, how do you how do you grade that? Like, I think it'd be stupid to say that, like, there's it's no a way 50, Trump 50 can win the election. Because here's the thing. Like, flip. I think Trump is weaker than he has ever been because he's already so lost. Is Biden. But so is Biden. That's the thing. Biden is weaker than he was in 2022. He's more out to lunch. That's for sure. I mean, his, like he's just less his numbers cratered. Yeah. His numbers have been below 40 percent basically the entire time since really he left Afghanistan. That honestly, yeah. like we don't talk about it anymore. But if you look at the at when his ratings died, that was when, and they never came back. You know, and you could argue that 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 doesn't make that the wrong decision or anything, but uh, or that it wouldn't be low anyway. It's just a question of how it would have like declined because you know there's been inflation, there has been net uh, lo- decline in incomes in pay while things are getting more expensive. You can talk all day about how awesome the economy is, but like the day-to-day experience is of uh, anxiety and uh, precarity, which translates to not wanting to like the guy in charge and certainly not wanting to upgrade your opinion of the president. So with Biden, it dropped early and he never really got a chance for it to go back up because it's just been this relentless downward pressure of accumulated uh, dissatisfaction with this current reality, this this version of... Uh, recovery you know which they keep insisting is what's happening well i've been seeing a lot of that recently in like uh democratic liberal media circles they're just like the the bemoaning of the fact that people just don't know how good the economy is and that like any any economic any economic pessimism on behalf of the left is like just basically um uh, arranging a buffet of ourselves to be eaten by the right because we're you know we're buying into this hype that oh, inflation's so bad and the economy is in the shitter or whatever when it's really not. And you can point to X, Y, or Z. But it's just like it, economists arguing over like whether, an, whether we're growing or shrinking or inflation's going up or down. It's like that doesn't really, that doesn't mean shit to voters. Like it's just voters will believe what people tell them and you can get angry about that or claim that it's like unfair or something. But like you, you talked about this before, Matt. Like if, if the Democratic position is de facto default always, Everything's fine. What are you worrying about? There's actually nothing to worry or complain about. Like, that's not a very tenable position to win a re-election based on. I mean, they are, I think what they are is pretty confident that they have won over the suburbs forever. And I think they probably have because the suburban people, the homeowners, are the people who are genuinely the most likely to be like, you know what? Things are pretty good because they're the ones who yeah. have, for the, who the good economy has actually accrued stability and, you know, hey, higher uh, home equity, you know, what's, what is everyone else complaining about? And they do, but what's happening at the bottom is that the, I mean, you have the uh, rich uh, non-college people who hate uh, Biden for cultural tribal reasons for the same ornamental bullshit that they're more comfortable suburban democratic uh, neighbors uh, care about with politics. But you're seeing a movement among all races of lower income, lower uh, education voters towards specifically Trump. There's a question of whether they'll ever be able to get this to adhere to the Republican Party. I don't really think so. But it is adhering to Trump just as this continued rejection, this living uh, no shouted to an establishment that doesn't care about them and that they feel is genuinely uh, reducing their futures. 
Well, as ever, as ever, he reflects their anger. And, you know, those suburban voters you're talking about, if you can afford to buy things, it feels fine to be alive right now. But like, that's the point of inflation, right? Like, you know, your goodies and not just your goodies, but, you know, like uh, buying groceries and buying gas and shit. Necessary stuff. Expensive. Yeah, it's all necessary stuff. And your paycheck isn't getting any higher. And, you know, you're working at Starbucks and you can't unionize and, and, and. So, you know, as ever, if you're someone with any wealth in this country, it feels fine to be alive. And, you know, like with these voters, where else is there to go than to the right when, uh, yeah, you know, no Biden, Biden and the Democrats won't even admit that, like, you know, I, I feel your pain or, yeah. you know, your right to be upset or, you know, with, without even producing any kind of convincing plan, uh, you know, they won't even take the first step, which is just recognizing that people have a reason and it's not a personal failing. They have a reason to be dissatisfied and unhappy and to feel fucking squeezed at every turn. I would say that the, the slight advantage that the Democrats have out of this dynamic, which mostly cancel each other out, is that uh, the specific spur to this higher educated polarization towards the Democrats has changed the electoral college map in a uh, math in a lot of ways, like college towns. Because, for example, Dane County is now this electoral death star in Wisconsin. That that was not true even uh, eight years ago, uh, and that's as a precise result of the Trump years and then Dobbs and stuff like that. So, and in Michigan, so like the states that Trump would need to win have been like sort of pushed generally to the left than they were when he won. And if there is an advantage for the Democrats, it's in that. But it's still fucking razor thin and it is a it's a risk the important part is that you don't have to take biden really does not have to be the nominee i know the thought of getting him out of there is impossible to conceive of but so is any change and if here's the thing because he could just die and then the problem would be solved the, the thing i the reason i actually pointed this out is i don't give a shit if biden's nominee because i know it's not going to change but what i see is especially after the uh, indictment again was people just squawking and freaking out about how we don't realize what a a danger Trump is to democracy, how close he came to doing a coup and how likely he is to do it again if he gets back in and how important it is to get rid of it. And it's like, OK, that is your stated passion. That's what you think. That's what you're telling us you care about for this next election. Right. Which is, of course, a way to say we'd have to vote for the Democrats. But what would if you assume, which you probably shouldn't, that hollering online has any meaningful effect, like doing it has a purpose other than just venting. What is the most uh, tactically effective use of your speech on the, on any social media platform. What audience should you be talking to? The general random person just hollering ineffectively at him that uh, Democrats are good and that uh, Trump is bad. Uh, blaming leftists for pointing out that things aren't as good as they could be because you're making other people hypothetical people who, again, you can't control or really press and whose individual decision making doesn't matter to the outcome. What about the Democratic Party itself? Way fewer people, hypothetically, more susceptible to public pressure. And you could, you believe in changing minds, right? You believe in the free marketplace of ideas or you wouldn't be online. My God, maybe you could change one of their minds. Just convince them, don't even pressure them. Convince somebody in power that Biden doesn't have to be the nominee. If you want to stop Trump, getting somebody else than Biden should be your top priority. And the way to do that, if any of this means anything, again, not a good assumption, but we have to assume that they believe that at least, then they would be hollering at Democrats to find another nominee. And the fact that they aren't means that they're full of shit about how scared they are of Trump being president again. QE fucking D. I am sorry. 
That's you're just hollering at people. You're just trying to feel good about how you're better than the fucking hippies. If you think this is the end of democracy, you would not do that piddly bullshit. Or are oh you that goodness. lukewarm? <laughs> Must I spew you from my mouth? And Matt, um, to the people spew who are it. To- speak <laughs> on it. And to the people who are replying to you, well, who should run instead of Biden? That's a YP, not an MP. Yeah, exactly. That's a YP. How do you, cr- you, how do you come pry up with that his answer? ancient ass out of well, the I White House? I think it just shows that like they're afraid to even ask the question, you know, like well, they, know yeah. they have no power, but it's like, OK, we all have no power. Why are you yelling then? Who are you yelling at? What is this? Put it somewhere more productive. This is the exact same shit as what happened in 2016. You know, like uh, only Trump could have won against Hillary, but like liberals want to have it both ways, which is basically like uh, uh, Trump is the hugest like threat to democracy that could possibly exist. And so it's very important. It's circular logic, right? And so it's very important that we back, uh, you know, a historically weak nominee. Because if you start to question the first side of that assumption, which is, or the second side, which is, why are we running such a weak nominee? Then somehow, you know, you're you're mucking up the gears of the party establishment. Which, you know, I'm sorry. Yes, good. We should. Well, the the real the real dark heart here that they don't want to speak is that. Even this premise that I'm saying, hey, maybe change the minds of Democrats, is kind of faulty because what we all really know is that the Democratic Party is not really a party anymore, if it ever was. Like, it is a, a, a employment association of self-interested, grasping psychopaths. It's like a homeowner's association. Uh, and sure, there have always been those people in party systems, but they used to be harnessed to an institutional structure that they depended on for their careers and that they were invested in. That doesn't exist anymore. It is just a place to hand business cards around and make your individual career, which means not only is there nobody who, if they had the revelation from reading your posts, decided, you know what, we got to do something about Biden being the nominee. Not only is there nowhere for him to press, no button for him to press to make that happen. Nobody he can talk to to make that happen within the party. Uh, Unless maybe, God, don't kill me, but J.B. Pritzker, if only because he has $3 billion. That's it. If you don't have that, you're just an individual actor. You can't do anything. But beyond that, they're never going to have that realization because they are lizards. The system has <laughs> selected for lizards. The only people who can thrive in the, on those hot rocks it's are lizards. Selection. It's natural selection. Only the lizards are getting bigger after they get married. And it's like, God, that's terrifying. Then That means we're stuck with Biden. It's like, yeah. And so you're just going to yell at the most powerless people in this equation for not believing in fantasy as much as you do. How about just at least be mad at the people who deserve it for Christ's sake, just to give it enough, have enough self-respect to not have to kick down like a fucking lap dog. Self-respect is not a quality of Democrats and liberals though. He laughed a lot. I thought that I would cave in when I heard that silly dancey dilly raving. I would well, this this, this gets into a larger uh, a larger question. What one that I posed to Catherine uh, not too long ago on one of our various extended stays in uh, airports around the country? Where's the we dignity, them, folks? Where's the dignity? Where's the dignity? And the answer is nowhere to be found. Gone. It's not on we, sale. It's gone. There, we, there's no, we, live in a, there, we live in a swap meat nation. It's a fucking yeah, a like garage sale of a nation. Swap yep. meat as fuck. Everything must go. There's no <laughs> dignity in anything. And it's getting worse all the time. 
Excited well, to fly to LA, by the way. Yeah, no, it, we'll, we'll I, when I was week. a kid in Manitowoc, Wisconsin, uh, go ships. Uh, <laughs> I don't know mall, why that's so funny to me. The, ma- the mall in our town, by the time I was like old enough to ride my bike to it, was already dead. Yeah. Like this is an early stillborn uh, mall, basically. <laughs> and like it, it was only, I'd seen malls, cool malls. In, on TV, you know, where they had escalators and there's movie theaters and huge fucking food courts. So I was like, that actually looks pretty cool. But what we had in Manitowoc was this just one floor slab arena with like a JCPenney on one side, a Shopco on the other, a oh, uh, Shopco. Yes, an ice cream parlor with, you know, like a little counter and like uh, one arcade game and then just closed <laughs> shops. That's basically America at the moment. It's the, it, we all think we're in the mall from our childhood, but it was that it was the mall from my actual childhood. Well, and I remember like going even, you know, I also had a shitty uh, town mall growing up. But, you know, like at least when I was a kid, like each of the four wings of the mall, like had a different, you know, kind four of wings. Well, la di da. I know. I but, you know, know like it was a in royalty. <laughs> Your Majesty, with your four okay, fucking wings. Okay, all right, all right, but they were all down market. Wisconsin class stores. conflict, right here. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I remember even going to the fucking Mall of America, which was, you know, Mall Utopia. Oh, that feeling thing like days, It's such like a days fucking cheater. Days had passed me by. Yeah. That, by the way, the, the Mall of America is is a cheater. It's a fraudulent mall because it has doubles of like half the stores. That's true. That's true. I remember. Yeah, I remember going as a, a child. You know, I walked there as a child from Wisconsin um, and feeling like, well, yeah, I had to go in the log. You got to go around um, Camp Snoopy five times. Oh, Camp Snoopy rocked, though. Um, <laughs> and and yeah, feeling incredibly, uh, you know, jilted by the fact that like, haven't I seen that limited tube before? I had like one of my uh, earliest like that I can remember moments of existential terror at Camp Snoopy. Why is oh that? Oh my god. Cuz you realized you would never be as popular as Snoopy? They had a log ride. Uh and it and it involved it was Paul Bunyan themed. And you know, it's it's got all the, the the references and the little dolls and stuff. You're a woodsman, you know, cutting through the north woods. It looked pretty cool to me. Yeah. Well, at one point you're on the log ride and you go around a corner into this cavern. And then it's all dark and then you turn and the, around a corner, and there is like f- floodlit right next to you in the darkness, like the 30 foot Paul Bunyan on one side of you, and Babe the Blue Ox on the other, just like looming over you, these, these monumental figures. And you're just the little guy in the little uh, <laughs> log ride. And I just felt like I was, uh, I was a, I felt like a Lovecraft protagonist. I felt like I had seen old ones. <laughs> Matt, Matt was taking sanity damage from seeing an animatronic of Babe the Blue Ox. It was not animatronic. Even if it had been that big, if it had been animatronic, that would have broken it. Like I saw the, the uh, King Kong ride at uh, um, Disney World when I was a kid. That didn't fucking scare me. Fuck you. The fact that it was, <laughs> he was just there. It was just a monolith. Yeah, it was like Ozzy Mandius. I don't think yeah. there was a King Kong ride at Disney. I don't think there was ever. A no, King no, Kong Universal Studios. I'm sorry. There you go. That's correct. Yeah, I was like, um, okay, that's fine. Catherine but like, is I do not. Person, I do not still have that no, feeling. No, of like, not. No, take that back. Take that back. What? Where are you going at the end of the month, Catherine? Oh dear. Uh. Oh, that's right, folks. Uh, Catherine Krieger is a Disney adult. <laughs> no, it I'm not. Come out no, eventually. I'm not. 
the the tabloids are going to get a hold of it one of these days. They're going to well, snap when page, you. When page six hears that I've been to Disney World, World, what's it called? Uh, the teacups. Teacups. You know. Um, no, well, yeah, look, it's a family vacation. It's fine. The point being, uh, uh, youthful Matt Cressman was correct because, in contrast to Paul Bunyan, we're all just little guys. We're all just we're little, small guys. little guys. We're just small little guys. We're all just small God's little, little guys. We're all God's little guys. God's little guys just. Please don't eat me, Paul. People, please don't eat me, babe. The blue ox. Don't gnash me between your giant yellow chaw maw. Please. <laughs> um, well, uh, you know, like uh, uh, to, to 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 move on with this topic of dignity <laughs> search, America edition. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, dignity I think it's search, twenty twenty three. I think it's time to uh, to to bring back, uh, you know, like a, a semi vague feature on this show. I think it, I think it's time to reopen. The feral files. Feral because files. Feral files. <laughs> feral files. We should have a theme feral song. Feral files. Feral files. Uh, because, like, you know, there's just a few examples that spring to mind. If you, certain certain uh, discourses around feral behavior in public that's happened over the last couple of weeks. And I guess the first one is, like, look, we got, we got Barbie and Oppenheimer in theaters right now. And, like, they both made, like, a billion dollars. Like, this is, like, a box office sensation that Hollywood has not had in a long time and then like and on top of that covid i i think that this was like reintroducing the experience of going out to like an event movie as a group of people uh, all across america's theaters and we are now uh, dealing with the debate of is it okay to watch videos on your phone throughout an entire movie if it bores you <laughs> well they're long movies are long you know go leave it- if it's boring but, you, if it's failing hey, I'm not to actually defending you. it for the record, but that's what people say. You know, like our attention spans are so fragmented that, and you know, I suffer from this too. Like if I, if I'm not getting a constant hit of dopamine every 15 minutes from my second screen, you know, I do start to shake a little, which is why actually I relish the in theater experience because it forces me, unlike watching anything at home, it forces me not to look at my little light box hooked up to my brain. Yeah, like, uh, so people people don't know how to act. And people like, do not talking, know how to act. Talking in a movie theater is bad enough. Looking at your phone screen in a movie theater, bad enough. Watching videos on your phone during a movie is, is like another level of you know, I antisocial think the behavior. This is happening now because I do not think this is new. I think this, is, this has been going on ever since movie theaters reopened, at least. The reason we're getting this now is because uh, until now, like, People who go to the movies are the people who just sort of like, you know, they, they self, they, uh, the movie audiences self divide by the film they're seeing into the yes. people who sit and watch a movie and the people who are on their phone when they watch a movie. Those audiences were separated. Now, though, we've got Barbenheimer, folks. We've got a cultural <laughs> moment that yeah, brings yeah. together the strands of film yeah. And now we've got the Marvel, uh, <laughs> why would I want to pay attention to this garbage? I'm going to be on my phone viewer in the same room. With the oh, I'm I'm quaking in my boots watching the latest uh, fucking Coen Brothers movie type person. Now they're in the same room, they're watching the same movies. Yeah, and that there's the culture clash is exploding. As a sundry observation, I was you know talking about this at a bar the other day after a few drinks, and I was observing that uh, you know I think part of the Barbenheimer thing and like you know its whimsy is, and I you know I I was roasted to hell and back. So save your breath. I was observing that both of these uh, movies feel like original IP. And obviously, obviously Barbie is the opposite of original IP because it's a doll, it's Mattel. But then I was thinking, damn, wow, it's crazy. If you think about it, uh, the, the atom bomb is also 
essential American IP. Yeah. <laughs> World War II in general is is one of the most valuable pieces of IP. Oh, my it's, God. It's, it's, the it's best. got the dad demographic sewn down. The people who are most likely to uh, actually pay for media. Dad. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Men 30 IP. to 54. Yeah, that's massive IP. And you don't even need an expansion pack. Like, we're, those men will just keep watching the exact same World War II documentary on the History Channel. It doesn't need extended universe. It doesn't need online play. Uh, don't worry. There are still some secrets to the Third <laughs> Reich out there. We're going we're gonna to get to them eventually. I mean, there's so many movie ideas. that the, the world, I mean, it's amazing that, that to think how relatively few World War II movies we've had in the last 20 years as demographics have, like, broken, as the movie-going audience is broken up and as younger people just have not be grown up expecting to pay for any entertainment you know like you do have to these older viewer these older people who used to scorn in the 90s ooh, the older viewers we don't want them they're not susceptible <laughs> to ads uh now it's like oh no they actually pay for media we actually fucking need them and world war ii one of the ch- prime ch- juicy ripest cherries for dads of all races it's crazy. We only have like uh, like a couple, a handful of World War Hollywood World War Two movies. So I think World War Two now with Oppenheimer might become the new extended universe that we see in theaters. And there's so many options. There's so much stuff. Hey, I'm not I'm not disagreeing, but I think like the future looks like Barbenheimer forever. But it'll just be a decre- like you know ever decreasing uh, returns in the form of Polly Pocket movie, um, you know other little doll movie. Uh, coupled with, you know, just human trafficking movies, um, you know, catering to, to ever more deranged and paranoid fantasies of like, you know, whatever red America is. How about a, a remake of A Bridge Too Far? It's uh, the, the, the story. It's about the Operation Market Garden, but it's an all woman reboot. Like the Nazis yes. and the Allied forces are all ladies. Now we're talking. I think that would piss off the dads, unfortunately. I think they would be a little bit angry be like, this about is the historical accuracy. Yeah. But really, I, I think like World War Two has been like self segregated or, you know, market segregated onto like the History Channel. Like, why? Why aren't they doing more big historical World War Two epics? I mean, I think they will like Steven, Spiel, Steven Spielberg killed it with Saving Private Ryan because that was the World War Two movie that like my generation had to see. Yeah, we had we had to see it because of what an, like what a lacerating experience it would be like, you know, Schindler's List for the Holocaust. It was like. Can you, oh God, D Day! My grandpa that was, like was at the Omaha Beach, but I sat in the theater and watched it. Say the same <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah. And then you see that Omaha Beach scene, and you're like, "Holy shit! What a nightmare!" I would rather do anything than be in World War II. Whereas previously, you watched the Dirty Dozen, The Great Escape. You're like, "God damn! I wish I was in World War II. That looked fun as hell." Yeah, it's interesting. Like Dunkirk did not have any scene that was as visceral as the Omaha Beach, like D Day invasion scene. That's why I don't think no. it has as much cultural resonance. Yeah, we like the guts. We do like the guts. Oops. We like the guts. I, um, I just remember watching Saving Private Ryan. This is a total aside, and I've, I've expressed this to Will before. Watching them, like, hauling ass off the boats. And this is how you know I'm a woman and a coward. Um, and simply thinking to myself, I would simply be hiding at the back of the boat. I would simply, I would simply not be running off the boat to a certain death. I would jump um, off the side of the boat before the before like the the door comes down. They all get machine gunned to death. I would just well, you probably still get machine gunned. But yeah, my magical thinking is that like yeah, I would simply be at the back of the boat, or I would simply find my way onto a boat that was not one of the first boats. Um, you know, this is why World War II is for boys. Um, <laughs> Quite literally. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> history history is for boys. Unfortunately, vibes are for girls. Well, actually, well, let's talk about let's talk about um, let's talk about vibes. Let's talk about vibes and like uh, like a uh, maybe like 
the the girls' fear of the ongoing feral files. And I don't know if I don't know if it's women exclusively doing this, but Catherine, I know you've written about this at Discourse Blog. The other cultural phenomenon that is a new one, unlike people being rude in movie theaters, people throwing things at musicians performing on stage. Like people like draining, throwing their iPhones, throwing yeah. like the most valuable thing you have in your pocket that you can't like call an Uber home without. You're beaming like Baby Rexa or whatever her name is in the eye, and like she's got corneal damage now. You know, like, and especially because concerts, you pay so much fucking money for even the chance to like get a ticket. Now, I think there it's like the the dark American id like coming out about like. Yeah, you're you like resent having paid that much to go to the Eras tour, and then you kind of want to get it over on them a little. It's the girls and the gays who are doing this, I think. It's the uh, it's the day of the locust, baby. <laughs> uh, can I get in on this? Because I, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I go to a lot of live music. And I, as a concert yes. goer, uh, and I have a, I have a take on this because Molly and I have talked about this for a while. Uh, you know, every, the 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 period of quarantine was obviously a a reset in a lot of people's minds. But I think what you are seeing with a new younger generation of people is kind of the memification of public behavior. Yes. And as we see people who establish uh, the idea of liking a musician as not just like an act of consumption, but a fundamental part of their identity, and there's a absorbing a lot of this how to incorporate a part of their identity through online media, they are learning. Uh, not to behave in ways that are like how I am enjoying myself in public, but how I expect a fan of this artist to behave in public for putting myself into like a kind of behavioral category, which is why you have people, uh, you know, like Mitski having to literally stop shows and be like, yo, can you like stop screaming at the top of your lungs the entire show? I know you like, feel like you're supposed to to express your fandom because you watch TikToks of people doing that. Can you stop telling me my dad was CIA? Please. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, that's another form of the memification of fandom. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, uh, that that's at least my interpretation of it is people like learning how to behave through the most extreme examples that they encounter on social media and coming to expect the same behavior from themselves. I think yeah. I think you're spot on. You're spot on, Chris. And I think it like it's it's like stan culture, which is like to me inherently pathological, is like viewing yourself as a part of like this social body and not therefore accountable for your actions. Like when I wrote about this, they arrested the guy who beamed uh, Baber Rexa, I think. And, you know, he's like some 27 year old. And like what he told police about it was I'm sure he wasn't a Serb. Well, <laughs> uh, I can't reflect on that. But what he said was, I thought it would be funny because she is Albanian. They're not fans, you know, and like, I think that's yeah, he thought it would be funny. Like he thought it would like be like a kind of meme thing to do and not like, you know, like a really assault? weird antisocial thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was charged with assault. Yeah, I believe. Uh, also, you covered like someone. Someone threw her mother's ashes on stage while Pink was performing. At least yeah, she didn't throw that's... Pink's mother's ashes on the fucking stage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, I, but like okay, like whether it's this or just like we, we've documented like the the increasing public tantrums that people have at like uh, grocery stores or. Oh, how about how about that Target one that was going around like just yesterday? The one, the one where this, and again, I'm sorry, it's a woman. Who is is like trying to vaguely like protest Pride thirty two days late at Target by wearing blackface? Like people are deeply unwell. Chris, Chris, bring up bring up the clip. I, I had this one queued up, but yeah, th this is th this is this is Exhibit A in Feral Files in the Feralification of America. 
Uh, just listeners, just know that this woman is in full blackface. Hey, Facebook. I'm looking for a job today. I'm at Starbucks. Looking for a job today. <laughs> Starbucks since the post this, office. This is me on my job search. Um, I barely treated myself to Starbucks when I was working there. I couldn't afford it. Trump is coming. I'm showing my titties. I have somebody across from me that's showing his too. I'll post his picture later. It's hilarious. You guys got to see She's not showing this. her titties. Anyway. Uh, wish me luck. I'm going to the post office for a job. They will never uh, recognize good. my picture now. Can you play the second one? <laughs> you put me on the FBI You play the target one? one? <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. She this, says something, this is the one I was referring to. That is incredibly fascinating that I wanted to talk about. Okay. Uh, here we go. Here is the same lady yeah. still in blackface at Target. Sorry, please excuse uh, the delay. This is due to uh, the X, the everything apps, terrible video playback. No, it's good. I think <laughs> I you'll think discover epic. that it is epic and win. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the best playback ever. Sorry. <laughs> You're a horrible person. You're literally doing blackface. Yeah. In the middle yeah. of the store. Buster Holt did whiteface. Nobody said shit. <gasps> Where's your pride section? I need to know. <laughs> oh, I thought. They Where's your pride section? And they took our flag forever. No. <laughs> I need to know. The way she says that, that's up there with Jim Traffic and saying, "Beat me up." Join me. Where's the pride uh, section? I need to know. I thought they took our flag forever. But the thing she said that I wanted to talk about is. She's like, you're wearing blackface. She goes, Lester Holt wore whiteface and nobody said shit. And I was like, what the fuck is she talking about? MSNBC host Lester Holt. And I asked some friends and uh, shout out to Everett from Age of Napoleon for finding out that apparently at uh, so on Jimmy Fallon once uh, Le- Lester Holt went and he uh, dressed up as a white person of some kind. I forget which one. Uh, and it's like, how the hell does she know about this? The, to to be like a uh, a conservative <laughs> in America. The Lester, now. wait, Matt, you said, wait, are you saying to me that you had to ask about the Lester Hold whiteface incident? You have to become. I like mean, a, I didn't. <laughs> you have to become a spite based autist, where yeah, you are you devoting do. all of your mind space to remembering and like researching and pulling out these like decades old microaggressions. Yep. To no pull out like, Uno cards in every public <laughs> confrontation. Oh yeah, what about what Lester Holston whiteface then? Fucking Uno, bitch. <laughs> and it's like, Actually, oh, that's in your head. You know, the smell of your mom's uh, cooking is gone, but you have that. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought they took away our, our flag forever. I should stress to our listeners, I'm sorry that we're only in an audio format, but like to say that this woman is wearing blackface is almost not doing it justice because this is not like the classic uh, black, black shoe polish. She's wearing like a, like just brown, but in she's the trying black, to make it classic. like photorealistic. Yeah, blackface. yeah. But but like leaving big raccoon circles around her eyes and mouth. Well, no yeah. one. OK, you know, no one clipped this, but no one does shoe polish blackface anymore. They just buy a really dark foundation. Wait, wait, hold on. Uh, I'm, I'm, okay, I'm submitting. I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm no, submitting no. that to the Lindy. I'm submitting that to the Lindy line. You don't see this anymore. <laughs> you don't see people doing classic blackface anymore. All right, that's I'm true. Sure with the red do lips. It. I'm sure people do it. The boater hat. You don't see it anymore. Yeah, white yeah, gloves. That's true. Yeah, but um, people just aren't doing the classics anymore. But for this pr- particularly feral individual, like I, I, I have to point out that she said, "I'm, I'm applying for a job today." This is this is her job search. Is it? And she's saying she's applying for a job at the post office. She's like saying, "Like I'll." 
I've been fired, so they, like I, I want them not to know who I am. Or she's saying like, if you're black, you automatically get hired at the post office. Like, what? I think she's implying what? like, oh, I, I she'll probably hire me if I'm black. She's making, okay. she's doing p- performance art, really yeah. political performance art. Well, and the thing no, is, we I mean, are the thing about what we're doing right now is we are basically making fun of a mentally ill person. Oh yeah, but, she's definitely like in crisis. But it has to be stressed that. At a certain point, you can't, at this point in American history, really talk about American politics without making fun of mentally ill people because that is now the province of, because everyone is losing their mind every day a little bit. We all are. It is happening. It is undeniable. Some at a faster pace than others. But what is also happening is that we are grasping towards these political battles and, and lines and signifiers to like organize our unraveling psyches around. And that is uh, having some very cool and awesome results. You really can't criticize uh, Mega America without being ableist. Think about it. <sighs> well, I mean, like, th- this is my point about, like... Chris is nodding. Thank you. To, um, to like, I-, I guess, like, to wrap together the, the feral files. You know, like, obviously, the, uh, the easy explanation for, like, the d- d- degrading standards of public behavior is COVID, right? And, mm-hmm. like, like, those two years... I mean, like, we're just saying, like, and, like people have given up on certain standards of behavior. It broke the social to, contract yeah, in an irrevocable and, way that we have done nothing to even come close to address. But like, I, I guess like, I want to like, um, like go back. There's like, you're right. Like the movie theater stuff, like uh, uh, this, this is a trend that was, things were trending in that direction before anyone knew. Oh yeah. The global pandemic was black swans, baby. That's how we have, you have, yeah. you have a general trend that is then accelerated and defined by a, uh, a eruptive crisis that is generated by those conditions, but it's not specifically predicted by uh, living amongst them. And now and we have to live it, in an aftermath where everything that was happening and was incipient and like on our, on the horizon is now here. And we are now like normalizing that new relationship and finding a new uh, terror terrain to put our eyes towards to avoid what we're actually living within and, and a new horizon of dread to fixate on which we will continue staring at until some new eruptive black swan uh, immunitizes and, and embodies that fear. And then we're going to live in that new normal. There are always new pathological mountains to climb. Or a cold fusion has just been created and it'll yeah, solve everything. Or it's all, and it's like, these are going to be like, neither is the final rupture. I don't think is going to happen. It's just going to be these, this continued march between these two poles of a fantasized uh, liberation brought about at this point, mostly by technology because we've given up on politics and the political horizon of uh, ultimate destruction. And, you know, for individuals among us, that will be resolved when we fucking die. Uh, but for the people who persist, they're going to stay in that agonized tension between those two as things just generally get worse and worse. Yeah, and and what you said earlier, like what what COVID really brought to the fore, the, like the, the the trend that already existed, that COVID made savagely apparent to everyone, and we see now the knock on effect, whether it is in people behaving like beasts at Target, or me just generally giving up on ever wearing pants with a button and a zipper again. <laughs> that that is that is that the social contract is in threads. It's been it's, torn it's, it's, asunder. It's been shredded. And that people such like that people, ever, such that it ever existed before. Yeah, but like yeah. But such that it existed before. It's well, that it people, did, like, people, it's, it's, people had the but, feeling that things worked essentially. The things basically yeah. worked. And as we've been yeah, talking it's about, not like a lot they were more things, virtuous. They had more reason to just have basic faith that a button pressed is going to have a given intended uh, and expected result. And if you don't have that, then why are you why are you still obeying? And the thing is, we in all the ways that keep this thing going, we do continue to obey. 
We continue to obey in all the ways that keep our misery imposed. So in all the places where we're free to de- defy and we're free to, to say, fuck you, we do. But of course, those are specifically the zones where our actions are least consequential, which is why we're allowed to imagine ourselves free to act that way. Wherever you have to behave in a certain way to keep your f- fucking roof over your head, to keep the wolf at your door, you fucking do exactly what you're fucking told. But yeah. wherever there's just a fucking a little bit of social freedom, you're going to fucking maximize it just to feel like you have any control over your life. And uh, it's good, actually. <laughs> you know what I think we could really use is a jubilee. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. God. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Graber, yes. yeah. uh, like, uh, it, and you, usually you hear this in the sense of a debt jubilee. You could go a lot of ways with this. Just a month off from work for everyone, but where things can still go. A month off from work. Yeah. A year-long subscription to some kind of debt, uh, like a like gift box or something. Just just a little gift that unites everybody in in a momentary relief from some Find people society-wide from- uh, uh, experience. Make us feel like a society again. But I think you would. I think you would have to. You'd have to connect that to a real debt jubilee. And not just not like us, not like oh, we're gonna do a like student loans. debt or medical we're not, debt. We're gonna do medical one. Tr- nope. The entire. This is like. This Concept, is a, a, ca- a calendar year. All debts must be released. Like the entire, like all balance sheets are just brought back to zero. Like nobody owes yes. anything anyone anymore. We just start. From and also, we start from zero. And also, Mickey Mouse is now our president. <laughs> well, yeah, and Mickey Mouse is in the public domain too. How about that? That's another form of debt jubilee. Oh yeah, bye bye. Yeah, to to that bullshit. Cracking yeah. open the the IP uh, the IP deadlock. Yeah. Yeah. Disney can no longer sue high school marching bands. I mean, we're like, oh, everything's IP. It's like. If you can't own it, then there's no premium in in making it. So maybe they'll make uh, good movies again. And look, I mean, I I love the idea of all kinds of jubilees, like a debt jubilee specifically, and like you know any any politician or political party that made that their platform could, could be assured you know generations could of rule for a thousand years. <laughs> but like, okay, we have we have the debt jubilee. Once we have that though, that needs to be joined. It can't just be like a solo policy. The debt jubilee once it happens needs to then be like sort of the carrot and the stick needs to be the imposition of a ruthless form of social credit system in this country. (laughs) A ruthless form of applying social credit demerits and, you know, and credits, you know, you can get, because you can get like further jubilees or goodies or gift baskets if you do not talk in a movie theater, for instance, or at the very least do things that are, that, that are socially virtuous, you know, but, but you will be, you will be punished in various ways if you behave like a beast. And I'm not talking prison. This is what I like about the social credit system. It doesn't necessarily be not incarceration. This is not a carceral problem. This is just like we're going to make your life more annoying if you are annoying to everyone else. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, I think, hey, does it feel like it's a hassle? We'll stop doing that and it won't be. We'll use technology to make the speed limit go up for you specifically. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You specifically don't have to be in traffic. Your blood alcohol limit goes up by a point. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> One of the best uh, uh, carrots they could possibly provide as like a way to spend your social credit is if that's how first class tickets on airlines were doled yes, out. Yes, precisely. It's a treat. You behaved. You behaved all month. Congratulations. You get to sit in the front of the plane. And that's, that's the it. only way you can't buy your way to front to, uh, you know, the uh, boarding first. That would make people shape up real fucking quick, yeah. honestly. But yeah, you'd have you have to have a society, a political economy that works to have that function. And that's what we don't have. Well, we're assuming a can over, sadly. <laughs> well, 
Swap me nation. I feel like we've uh, we've solved most of this country's problems. But before we go, I would like to just share my my favorite inspirational quote of the year, if not my lifetime, courtesy of New York City Mayor Eric Adams. He said, and I quote, I'm immune to hecklers. All my haters become my waiters when I sit down at the table of success. So I just want to thank I want to thank you, Matt, Catherine and Chris and all of our listeners for sitting down with us at the table of success. That is Chapo. That's what's up. And if you are and if you are a Chapo hater, I got to say my water is looking a little empty here at the table of success. Maybe you could could take a maybe top that off. Yeah. Yeah. You know, maybe take maybe notice me every once in a while. More bread, please. Yes. So the haters like my breadsticks are looking a little bit, a little bit. A little bit lackluster there. So haters equal motivators, as my brother would say. Well, just, you should stop I, saying that and start saying haters are my waiters at the tale of success because <laughs> it's a million times better. I understand why this guy is the mayor of New York. Uh, hey, he was my mayor, a guy who just says a mayor who just says haters are my motivators. Maybe mayor of Washington D.C. Yeah, Newark. <laughs> but the mayor of New York, the greatest city in the world, you got to have something special to bring to the table you gotta, of success. You got to have, you got to have IP. You got to have your own IP. Uh, the other and really Eric good, Adams is creating it. The true. other really good one from the other week is like uh, uh, someone made a comment to him about how like uh, his administration is screwing the homeless, and he played that off by saying, "If a ho- if, if if anyone wants to make love to a homeless person, they should be grateful." Yeah. Oh my I still God. don't know what the hell that meant. He's, 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 he's the, the most literal-minded you know, person in the world. Matt, because you're not at the table of success yet. If When you're True. at the winner's table, then you'll know what things like that, you know, with that homeless people should be uh, grateful that people are fucking them. <laughs> yeah. Matt, you're at, the, you're at the success coat check. You're almost there. You're almost there. <laughs> I'm at the kids' table of success with the cousins. <laughs> we're, we're coughing on everyone's cigarette smoke. All right. All right, gang. Uh, that does it for today's episode. Everyone, just just stay cool out there. Just yes, try not to be feral. Cool. Just just keep it cool. Just chill. Your rewards will be in the next life. If you I know if it's you, hot even out. If yeah, you exactly. Endure a little bit of annoyance without giving it back. That's the real table of success. The Lord's Absolutely. table in heaven. Mm-hmm. Speak on it. All right. Well, uh, before we go, I want to thank uh, our uh, guest of the day, Catherine Krieger. Uh, Catherine. You you are you're recently uh, on the job hunt, but if people want to hire you or you know or see where you're currently or see your current writing, what should they do? Where should they go? Uh, they should go to discourseblog.com, subscribe to the Substack. That would be a huge help. You know the kittens need new shoes. Um, follow me on Twitter or uh, DM Will for my email address. Well, if you're not already following me, that's a moot point. <laughs> or if, you're not, I'm not already, if I'm not following you, that's a moot point. I should say. Um, yeah, uh, our, our kittens need, new, uh, we just got a new foster cat. And I would like to say, if you're in New York City and looking to up your social credit points, consider, consider fostering or adopting a cat at the moment because New York City is in a cat crisis at the moment. So if you have uh, any Another thing space, you can get social credit for, like giving blood, just being a decent person should have some perks to it. Uh, your, so blood be, be culture, your, your blood is supposed like, to stain your body. Your blood is supposed to stain your body. You should the see God, witness over here. God smile <laughs> upon you. You know what? What? What other reason to live with other people than to not generate like positive reinforcing structures that remind you that God exists and is very happy with you and would like to give you a high five? I couldn't have said it better myself. There we go, gang. Until next time. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Bye.
Bye.